0: Hello, friend. I'm Mike McCurry, and you're listening to the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast. I'm very grateful for your listenership today. I'm excited about the direction that God's leading us for this week of broadcasts. I'll give you a little bit of forewarning. I'll kind of put a shot across the bow. There is a possibility that at some point this week, I may get just a little bit blunt. I may get a little chippy. I may go, as they say, hard in the paint. My desire is not to, with our subject matter this week, to offend. My my goal is not to cause angst or irritation, but my desire is to take God's Word, God's holy book, the Bible, and to share with you a few thoughts that He's given me, that God has given me, that were a help to me, that I hope, my prayer is that there'll be a hope to you as well. I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles. If you are able to, grab your own copy of God's Word and turn to the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel. For those of you that are familiar with Bible characters and where they appear in the Bible, you may be thinking, are we going to talk about King Saul? Are we going to talk about Jonathan, his son? Or maybe we're going to talk about David. If you chose that third answer, David, you would be correct. We will be discussing David today. I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. While you turn there, let me tell you about a gospel track that I've got in my hand right now. This gospel tract is called Seven Questions Boys and Girls Ask. But those of you that are watching the video version of this broadcast on YouTube will notice that I actually have two copies of this gospel tract. They look very similar, the same coloration. But you'll notice if you look closely enough and just give them more than a cursory read, You'll notice that the language is different. You see, one of these, seven questions boys and girls ask, and the other is the exact same in Spanish. This gospel tract here, much like many of our gospel tracts, is offered in at least two languages. Dr. Paul Levine, many years ago, wrote this gospel tract, and it's been a blessing to boys and girls across America and the world. And this gospel tract could be ordered today in English, And in Spanish, we have many, many other gospel tracts that are in different languages. We've printed in almost 100 different languages over these past 80 years to God be the glory. Let me encourage you to go to BibleTractsInc.org, BibleTractsInc.org, and you can order your very own copies of 7 Questions Boys and Girls Ask. You may be asking as an adult what are those seven questions? Well, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag. You have to go to BibleTracksInc.org to order your very own copies today. We're in the book of First Samuel, chapter number 17. We're going to need to do a little bit of scripture reading today to set the stage. And depending on how much time we have, I have an illustration, an historical anecdote that I think might be a help. To you, to kind of make things clear. Illustrations often are just the window that lets a little bit of light in. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Are you there? Let's read together. The Bible says, 1 Samuel 17 verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. And were gathered together at Shoko which belonged to Judah. Now realize this, they were on Judah's land. They were on Israelite land here. They were already encroaching, and it was very clear the reasons they had come. Realize also, sometimes we skim over things without really diving into what they're saying. And the Bible says here, the Philistines gathered together their armies. This was not just a skirmishing advance. This was not just a reconnaissance. This was not just a platoon, or a squad, or a company, or a battalion, or brigade, or a no, friend, it wasn't a regiment or a division either. This was not just one army, but this was armies. We don't know precisely how many, but they were coming loaded for bear. These Philistines were coming, and they were on Judah's land, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah, in Ephes, da- Damon, and Saul, and the men of Israel, remember Saul is King Saul, and the men of Israel, verse 2, were gathered together and pitched by the Valley of Elah. If you've ever heard the story of David and Goliath, the Valley of Elah is where this happens. And set the battle in array against the Philistines. Now, for some reason, the Israelites are a little scared. For some are I would hesitate to call them cowardly because I'm not sure what I would do in their place. I probably would have gone along with the crowd But they're not just running out there with their swords and just attacking Philistines willy-nilly, okay? They're taking their time. They set the battle in array. But then we see in verse number three, And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side. And Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. Now, the Philistines had a really good reason to just lay back and wait. Because they had a man in verse number four we are introduced to. There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named, fill in the blank, Goliath, okay, of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now think about that for just a moment, okay? If he was just six foot tall plus a little bit, that by itself back in that day, uh, men were on average a good bit shorter and all those things. He would have been a pretty tall guy anyway. But he was six cubits and a span. Do you know how long a cubit is? Normally, historically, we think of a cubit being about 18 inches or so. This guy was enormous. Eight, nine, ten feet tall. Verse 5, he had a helmet of brass upon his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and one, meaning an armor-bearer, bearing a shield, went before him. Now, obviously, the Philistines are there for one purpose, right? They are there to wage war. And then they send out not only a messenger, but a very obvious messenger, someone to get the point across, to tell the Israelites exactly what's going on today. This massive mountain of a man. I mean, imagine that. Think about that, okay? Normally, when somebody strides out and they push apart the line of people standing there, th- think of the Philistines. I mean, use your imagination, okay? Think about looking as an Israelite, looking across the valley, and on the other side, there's this line of people armies of people. Just a massive amount. You're already thinking, oh man, this is not great. I know we have Saul. I know he's strong. I know he's a great warrior. He's a charismatic leader. But, okay. all right. I think we can do this. With God's help, we can do this. And then all of a sudden, think about this. Before he even gets to the first line of people, you already start to see him. I mean, he's like 15 rows back. And all of a sudden, you hear Like a groan, a guttural moan go up from your side. It's never good when your side of the battle is going, oh no, and Goliath starts walking through. I mean, he he must have weighed five six hundred pounds. He was a massive dude. We know, you know, muscle normally weighs weighs more than fat and all that type of stuff. Well, Goliath probably was not an obese individual. He was probably a well toned, trim. He was a weapon of war. Is what he was. To carry everything that he was carrying, he could not have been out of shape. Okay, he was massive, but he was also massively in shape. And so Goliath comes walking, he comes past the 15th, the 14th, 13th, 12th, he comes past the second and first line, and then finally everyone's able to see him, his full stature. They could literally see from his chest up, they could literally see from almost his belt buckle up when he was standing behind people, but now they can see him, and they can tell how big he really is. And he did not come with platitudes. He didn't come with a cordial greeting. For the Israelites, he didn't come to just shoot the breeze with King Saul. No, no. What did he have to say in 1 Samuel chapter 17? And let's see, verse number 8. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them. I feel like I have to go really guttural and really deep when Goliath talks. He says, why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And to close it off, verse 10, and the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. This Goliath guy? Okay. Now, my radio gentleman, Brother Mark, who edits these radio broadcasts, maybe he can put some extra bass and some, some, some oomph behind the, the, the Goliath talking there. But no matter how impressive the little bit of bass that I put on that was, can I tell you, Goliath was fearsome. He was terrifying. He was absolutely a marvel. I mean, think about it. How often do you see a guy that's nine foot tall? How often do you see a guy that's nine foot tall has a massive, just an enormous spear with a coat of mail that looks like it weighs a ton. And he just comes out and matter of factly tells you how it's going to be and how he's going to kill your champion because he's the champion of the Philistines and you all are going to be our slaves. Think about where these Israelites are at in their heart of hearts. Probably not even in the heart of hearts. They were probably wearing their feelings on their sleeve. They're looking at each other left and right thinking, what are we doing here? Why did I report for battle today, right? Here's the thought as we dive into this thought for this week, okay? It's about time. It is the time. If you're looking for a time to declare war, today is the day. If you're looking for the opportunity, if you're looking for the opening, if you are curious about the chance, about when you should declare war, today is that day. This week is that week. Now... For sake of time, I'm going to save the illustration for tomorrow. You're going to want to stick around. You're going to want to hear what we have. We're going to dive back into history some 30, uh, I'm sorry, not just 30, uh, it would be 60, 70, 80 years for an illustration that's going to really tie together this Bible story and current events and where you and I live. But I'm going to ask you to tune in tomorrow to Bible Tracked Echoes, but I'm going to tell you right now. You. And I. This is not just for you. This thought has helped me today. This thought has helped me in the study for it. It's time to declare war. You say, hold up a moment. It sounds like the Philistines are the ones declaring war. It sounds like the world is declaring war on us. You're telling me I have to declare war back? Absolutely, friend. Absolutely. It's time to declare war. I'm going to ask you today to do this. To commit. To coming back to Bible Tract Echoes tomorrow, because we're going to take this Bible story and we're going to apply it to your life and to mine in a way that I hope causes you to do something great for God. Greatly appreciate your listenership. Hope you have a great day for His glory. Join us tomorrow. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated.